morning. Our psalm this morning is Psalm 119. We'll be um, we'll be doing verses 113 through 128. Thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. O Lord, open thou our lips. And our mouth shall show forth thy praise. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Praise ye the Lord. The Lord's name be praised. Psalm 95 is found on page 459. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us heartily rejoice in the strength of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and show ourselves glad in him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hands are all the corners of the earth, and the strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands prepared the dry land. O come, let us worship and fall down, and kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is the Lord our God, and we are the people of his pasture, and the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation, and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their hearts, for they have not known my ways, unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Psalm 119, beginning with verse 105, excuse me, 113, on page 497. I hate them that imagine evil things, but thy law do I love. Thou art my defense and shield, and my trust is in thy word. Away from me, ye wicked, I will keep the commandments of my God. O establish me according to thy word, that I may live and let me not be disappointed of my hope. Hold thou me up, and I shall be safe. Yea, my delight shall be ever in thy statutes. Thou hast trodden down all them that depart from thy statutes, for they imagine but deceit. Thou puttest away all the ungodly of the earth like dross, therefore I love thy testimonies. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. I deal with the thing that is lawful and right. O give me not over unto mine oppressors. Make thou thy servant to delight in that which is good, that the proud do me no wrong. Mine eyes are wasted away with looking for thy health, and for the word of thy righteousness. O deal with thy servant according unto thy loving mercy and teach me thy statutes. I am thy servant, O grant me understanding, that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to lay to thine hand, for they have destroyed thy law. 
for I love thy commandments above gold and precious stones. Therefore hold I straight all thy commandments, and all false ways I utterly abhor. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here we get at the fifth chapter of the first book of Kings. Now Hiram king of Tyre sent his servants to Solomon, because he heard that they had anointed him king in place of his father. For Hiram had always loved David. And Solomon said to Hiram, saying, You know how my father David could not build a house for the name of the Lord his God, because of the wars which were fought against him on every side, until the Lord put his foes under the soles of his feet. But now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor evil occurrence. And behold, I propose to build a house for the name of the Lord my God, as the Lord spoke to my father David, saying, Your son, whom I will set on your throne in your place, he shall build the house for my name. Now therefore command that they cut down cedars for me from Lebanon. My servants will be with your servants, and I will pay you wages for your servants according to whatever you say. You know there is none among us who has the skill to cut timbers like the Sidonians. So it was when Hiram heard the words of Solomon that he rejoiced greatly and said, Blessed be the Lord this day, for he has given David a wise son over this great people. And Hiram sent to Solomon, saying, I have considered the message which you sent me, and I will do all that you desire concerning the cedar and cypress logs. My servants shall bring them down from Lebanon to the sea. I will float them in rafts by the sea to the place you indicate to me. and will have them broken apart there, and you can take them away. And you shall fulfill my desire by giving food for my household. Then Hiram gave Solomon cedar and cypress logs according to all his desire. Solomon gave Hiram 20,000 cores of wheat as food for his household. 20 cores of pressed oil. And thus Solomon gave to Hiram year by year. So the Lord gave Solomon wisdom as he had promised him. And there was peace between Hiram and Solomon, and the two of them made a treaty together. Then King Solomon raised up a later labor force out of all Israel, and the labor force was 30,000 men. And he sent them to Lebanon, 10,000 a month in shifts. They were one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Adon Donoran was in charge of the labor force. Solomon had 70,000 who carried burdens and 80,000 who quarried stone in the mountains, beside 3,300 from the chiefs of Solomon's deputies, supervised the people who labored in the work. The king commanded them to quarry large stones, costly stones, and hewn stone to lay the foundation of the temple. So Solomon's builders, Hiram's builders, and the Gebelites quarried them, they prepared timber and stones to build the temple. Here end up the first lesson. Together, Benedictus S. on page 11. Blessed art thou, O Lord God of our fathers, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou for the name of thy majesty, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the temple of thy holiness, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou that beholdest the depths and dwellest between the cherubim, praised and exalted above all forever. 
Blessed art thou on the glorious throne of thy kingdom, praised and exalted above all forever. Blessed art thou in the firmament of heaven, praised and exalted above all forever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Here begins the second chapter of First Thessalonians. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain. But even after we had suffered before and were spitefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we were bold in our God to speak to you the, the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from deceit or uncleanness, nor was it in guile. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So, affectionately, affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil, for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly and justly and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you who believe. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would have a walk worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God, which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen, just as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us and they do not please God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins. But wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his, as his, at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Here endeth the second lesson. Together, Benedictus on page 14. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people and hath raised up a mighty salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us, 
to perform the mercy promised to our forefathers, and to remember his holy covenant, to perform the oath which he sware to our forefather Abraham that he would give us, that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people, for the remission of their sins. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. O Lord, show thy mercy upon us. And grant us thy salvation. O God, make clean our hearts within us. And take not thy Holy Spirit from us. O Lord, we beseech thee, let thy continual pity cleanse and defend thy church, and because it cannot continue in safety without thy succor, preserve it, evermore, by thy help and goodness, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O God, who art the author of peace and lover of concord, in knowledge of whom standeth our eternal life, whose service is perfect freedom, defend us, thy humble servants, in all assaults of our enemies, that we, surely trusting in thy defense, may not fear the power of any adversaries, through the might of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Good morning to all. We see uh, in our Old Testament lesson today, a special relationship between Israel and Tyre, with Hiram, king of Tyre, providing lumber. Of course, it was a lucrative deal for him, too. He got paid well for it. Um, it's interesting that in the prophetic writings in Isaiah 25, the later condemnation of all the nations, including Tyre, 
hires one of the few, uh, uh, only two others other than Israel ever to be condemned as a harlot because um, the unfaithfulness, this, this whole sharing and building the temple gives them some kind of covenant relationship with God. They know the Lord in the way that other nations wouldn't because of the interaction to their later unfaithfulness. Israel is primarily the Old Testament harlot who's the faithful bride who becomes unfaithful and Tyre is in Isaiah 25 also, this language is used uniquely for Tyre uh, in, in, in linking that same theme. This building project is, is uh, presented in kind of impressive terms uh, as being carried out by Solomon, but we should note an underlying theme of it, that this is um, Solomon's building project. He's using conscripted forced labor and he's imposing this building project on his people. This compares unfavorably with, if we look back when the tabernacle was being built uh, and uh, in, back in the scriptures, when they took free will offerings for the construction of the tabernacle and people gave willingly to the Lord. And it was a matter of kind of the heartfelt offering that, that, that kind of furnished the, the tabernacle in the first place. You know, this temple is, and is um, forced labor. And, and this is a, a, a royal building project commanded by a king. And now it seems like it has the support of the people, but we'll see later on that, that this, when Solomon's again, his successors don't have his political power, <clears throat> people uh, rebel against him because he's conscripting forced labor from the people and, they, and it will become a source of resentment. And so this is not really completely fulfilling the spirit of the Torah in terms of people offering themselves willingly to God. And so when we when we com contrast this church building project, this temple building project with you know, Solomon as the son of David, of course, the ultimate son of David is Jesus Christ, who, who builds the, the, the new temple, the church, his body. And we are all, as uh, St. Peter will say, living stones being fit together in this new temple. It's important that our offerings to God be free will and not conscripted labor. Uh, and, you know, that that's it doesn't really that in the church, it matters that we, we come with our hearts. And this is something just to be aware of, though it's an impressive building project and is proceeding apace without <clears throat> negative comment in, in the commentary, in, in the description. It, it nonetheless is backdrop is this is not really how the Torah says to, to, to worship God and it's conscripted and forced. Um, and the New Testament lesson from Thessalonians, um, we should we can read in Acts 17 how the church in Thessalonica uh, got started. St. Paul went through, preached for successive Sundays in the synagogue there and it, in, encountered very intense opposition. And um, it says that certain people were converted by Paul's message and became the church. A number of devout uh, Greeks, uh, that would have been God-fearing um, uh, Roman or Greeks or Romans who attended the synagogue but weren't yet fully initiated. And so his church, the church was founded on that, but then he got violent opposition from the synagogue there and was run out of town. So he left the church in Thessalonica um, too soon. He would have ideally stood there and stayed there and had a teaching mission so he was anxious about this church. And um, 
He sent Timothy, therefore, back to see how they're doing. Paul, it seems, cannot go back because when, when he's forced to leave in Acts 17, um, Jason, one of the converts, gives sort of post-bail, which seems to have the implicit promise that he won't come back <laughs> and cause any more trouble. So, um, because, uh, so, so that, um, that's kind of the, the tone of this letter. And he, he, in chapter one, he'd given thanks for their faith, <clears throat> the report he got. And, and in chapter two, because in his brief stay and then having to depart, they would have gotten bad reports. Yeah, Paul's just this fly-by-night guy who comes through and blows out and blows out of town. And so he kind of defends himself. You remember how we were, we came, we, we didn't take money from you. We worked with our hands. We showed you how you should behave as a Christian. We ministered to you so that you'd have for an example for us of how you ought to behave. And we were like, he uses this very familial language. We were like a nursing mother caring for children. We were affectionately desirous of you, which shows the the family metaphor of the church. This is not this this is not merely an army. It's it's a family of God, and Saint Paul has this emotional connection to it. And then he connects the the um, opposition of the synagogue Jews in Thessalonica with the opposition of the Jews in Judea. That that just that, that he says what you saw there was just what we saw in um, in in Jerusalem, where where those who opposed Jesus they 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 killed the prophets and crucified the Lord Jesus. And St. Paul says, has a, a comment that's kind of cryptic. He says, but, and wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. Um, this can have an horizon because if we look at Jesus' teaching, Jesus was very clear that the rejection of him by Israel was going to result in the destruction of the nation. And that's an historical event in AD 70 when the Roman legions with Titus came down, destroyed the temple. But Thessalonians seems to be written earlier than that. But St. Paul is simply, when he says wrath has come upon them to the uttermost, it really deals with the, um, what we might call the, the um, eschatological positioning of people in relationship to Jesus. The way St. Paul understands the gospel is, he's, is that the world is under judgment. That's the idea because of sin. And St. Paul is proclaiming Jesus Christ as the um, way to be saved from this natural state of separation from God caused by sin and to come into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ and coming in through faith. Then we are justified, which means we will be, uh, which means as the Lord Jesus Christ in his resurrection ascension was shown to be the just one, the one whom God approves. So when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we are justified. The verdict of justified, of vindicated that, that Jesus won is now ours as well through faith in him. And we move from wrath to peace, to harmony with God. So therefore, anybody, and, and, and in the New Testament in Acts here, whether it be the hostile Jews in Jerusalem or the hostile Jews in Thessalonica, remembering that many Jews converted to faith and all the apostles were Jewish, there's no anti-Semitism here. It's the opposition to Jesus that makes it, um, that brings wrath, is that leaves them in this, that moves them from the state of God's covenant people into a state of opposition to what God has done, because God has spoken, 
<clears throat> his word in Christ, and to stand in opposition to that spoken word is to stand in there for the wrath of God, which will always play itself out in due time. And this is why the New Testament framework of maintaining our blamelessness, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, living blamelessly in the world so as to be certain that when the judgment, the last day judgment is revealed, we will be revealed as being God's people. And that's what he says that about the Thess Thessalonians. He keeps saying, yeah, that, that when he, Jesus comes, you'll be revealed to be his people and those who oppose him will be revealed to not be his people. This is justification in the clearest sense. So that's the idea of wrath. And that's, that's, um, that's what the gospel means to be saved it from from the wrath that is coming from judgment that is coming <clears throat> on the world because it lives in opposition in rebellion against god and sometimes this is missed in our time because we have this general sense it's really a modern error uh modern the modern era began to sort of deny the reality of sin in the human condition and if you deny the reality of intrinsic sin, which separates us from God, you deny that there's really any need for a savior, you know, to save you from that. And these assumptions that God is, you know, everyone's basically good. And although it reminds me of Chesterton's line that original sin is the only Christian doctrine that can be empirically proven. Uh, so it's funny that though the modern world has kind of tended towards these sort of glib doctrines that people are generally good, nothing in the modern world including world wars and everything's happened gives any evidence that this is actually the way there's there's any truth to that that anybody's getting any better salvation is therefore clearly to be brought from that state of separation from god into the state of union with god and the church's message is to call people into that so they can be saved from the natural consequences of separation into the state of of being saved and this is what saint paul is rejoicing in the thessalonians that their salvation is is being being made clear by the way they're living which bears witness to it so he rejoices in them and uh this is in contrast with those who oppose them in in where they where they are be thoughts about today's lessons continuing with a prayer for all conditions of men on page 18. O God, the creator and preserver of all mankind, we humbly beseech thee for all sorts and conditions of men, that thou wouldest be pleased to make thy ways known unto them, thy saving health unto all nations. More especially we pray for thy holy church universal, that it may be so guided and governed by thy good spirit, that all who profess and call themselves Christians may be led into the way of truth and hold the faith in the unity of spirit, in the bond of peace and in righteousness of life. Finally, we commend to thy fatherly goodness all those who are in any ways afflicted or distressed, in mind, body, or estate, especially those for whom we make our prayers at this time.
that it may please thee to comfort and relieve them according to their several necessities, giving them patience under their sufferings, and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. And this we beg for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Together the general thanksgiving. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we thine unworthy servants do give thee most humble and hearty thanks for all thy goodness and loving kindness to us and to all men. We bless thee for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for thine inestimable love in the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we beseech thee, give us that due sense of all thy mercies, that our hearts may be unfeignedly thankful, and that we show forth thy praise not only with our lips, but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to thy service, and by walking before thee in holiness and righteousness all our days, through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with thee and the Holy Ghost be all honor and glory, world without end. Amen. O God, who hast made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the face of the whole earth, and didst send thy blessed Son to preach peace to them that are far off, and to them that are nigh, grant that all men everywhere may seek after thee, and find thee. Bring the nations into thy fold, pour out thy Spirit upon all flesh, and hasten thy kingdom through the same thy Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Ghost be with us all evermore. Amen. Good morning, and thank you for joining me today. Remember, on Wednesday, we turn our focus um, from our own salvation and think of others and um, concentrate on how we spread this good news. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day.